On this day of independence, on this independence day, listen to an American troubadour from the USA. Holiday Inn. Never has there been such a show as this. From Easter to Christmas, from the 4th of July to Thanksgiving, there's a song for every holiday and a holiday for every song. I'm dreaming of a Grandest lady in the Easter parade. USA's united thanks to one whose name was Nancy Hanks. Abraham. Abraham. You're easy to dance with. Be careful. It's not my watch you're holding, it's my heart. Welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made, or the Essential Films. I'm Adolfo Costa, and I am not joined by my usual co-host, Mr. Mark Espinoza. Unfortunately, right before recording, uh, Mark did come down with something. Uh, he did get a little sick, so he was unable to record. So we're going to do this a little solo this week. So we're going to do this one solo. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic, but hopefully... Uh, it's still enjoyable nonetheless. So on today's episode, we will be discussing the 1942 classic Holiday Inn. Now, Holiday Inn was directed by Mark Sandrich with a screenplay by Claude Binion and a story by Irving Berlin. It stars Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, Marjorie Reynolds, and Virginia Dale with music, of course, by Irving Berlin. It was released by Paramount Pictures on August 4th, 1942. So let's go ahead and jump right in. This whole thing started in, in 1940 uh, when Irving Berlin was signed by Paramount to a contract basically to write songs for a musical film. Irving Berlin had a idea to do a musical based on an inn that would only be open on holidays. And thus Holiday Inn was born. Filming began in November of 1941. Now the big hit of this movie is of course White Christmas, but it wasn't expected to be. The song that both Irving Berlin and Paramount thought would be the big hit of the movie was from the Valentine sequence, Be Careful, It's My Heart. 
Also, if you take a look at those dates, the movie began filming in November of 1941, and of course, on December 7th, 1941, uh, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. So the song that takes place during the 4th of July, Song of Freedom, was... um kind of changed up and tuned up a bit to be a little bit more patriotic. Now let's go ahead and jump into the film. The film begins on Christmas Eve uh, at a nightclub. Ted Hanover, played by Fred Astaire, and Jim Hardy, played by Bing Crosby, are both nightclub entertainers, along with Lila Dixon. Lila Dixon here, played by Virginia Dale. Now, of course, playing to the strength, Bing Crosby is a singer, and Fred Astaire is a dancer. And they're kind of caught in, in a constant love triangle with Lila Dixon, uh, where she's constantly kind of choosing between both men. On Christmas Eve, as the film starts, Lila Dixon is engaged to Jim Hardy, Bing Crosby. Now, Jim, as soon as this show is over, thinks that they're going to kind of retire and go off to the country and get married and live a happy life, because Jim is tired of the grind of nightclub life. He's tired of entertaining. He just wants to have holidays off. He wants to, you know, have a lazy, fulfilled life. Now, of course, Lila Dixon is having second thoughts about all of this, and she's also kind of uh, two-timing Jim a little bit with Fred Astaire, telling him that that she's not going to go through with the wedding, because Fred Astaire uh, wants to keep dancing and wants to keep the, the act going and keep uh, keep entertaining. Now, this is where the first big musical number of the movie comes in. It's I'll Capture Your Heart, uh, with uh, Bing and Fred Astaire kind of playing all this out in song form on the stage uh, to an audience. So with uh, Bing uh, singing how he's going to capture Lila Dixon's heart singing, and Fred Astaire uh, singing how he's going to capture her heart dancing. And of course, Lyle Dixon kind of still not being able to choose between either one of them in a life imitates art situation. This is a very good number um, with uh, kind of showing that Bing is a good singer, um, but not a great dancer. And Fred is a great dancer, but not a good singer. It's a uh, very amusing and uh, both of them play their parts pretty well. Now, after the performance, um, Jim is still thinking that him and Linda are going to go off and retire. Uh, he has not been uh, late, clued into the fact that uh, Linda has no intention of doing so. Um, and then Walter Abel, um, who plays Danny Reed, the uh, manager for uh, for Ted Hanover, kind of comes in and breaks the news um, that uh, Lila has fallen in love with Ted, that they, she has no intention of going off to the country. Ted's a little heartbroken here uh, and uh, decides that Fine, he's just going to go off and retire to the country by himself and tells them all goodbye. And this is where he introduces another song into the film, where he says he's just going to sit under a tree being lazy. And now, as as he uh, sings lazy in the soundtrack, we get a montage of Jim in farm life. And uh, it's not as easy or as lazy as he expected it to be. Of course, it shows him doing many farm chores and how difficult they are, from milking the cows to kind of wrangling pigs to plowing the plowing the fields all as the song lazy uh lazy plays in the background it's a very funny scene as you know um bing has always been a uh, bing crosby's always been a very good comedic entertainer and and this montage shows it off very well lazy i just want to be lazy i long to be out in the sun with no work to be done under that awning they call the sky stretching and yawning and let the world go drifting by i want to peep through the deep tangled wildwood counting sheep 
Now the montage uh, takes place over a year, and uh, the next thing we know, we're back at the next Christmas Eve, and uh, Jim is now back in uh, New York City, and he has come back to see uh, Lila and Ted Hanover, uh, because he has some new plans that he wants to do um, with uh, a new idea that he has to have a hotel or an inn that is only open on holidays. He's got a great line here where uh, Ted Hanover asks him, well, how many, ho- how many of those are there anyways? He goes, well, about 15. That gives me about 360 days of the rest of the year to kick around in. Uh, which is actually kind of a great plan if you think about it. The only thing is, is that the only thing that I always find amusing about this plan is that it, he thinks he's only going to work 15 days a year. However, these shows need to be planned and written out and you know choreographed ahead of time. So he's going to be spending a lot more time with the planning off planning these shows than just one day. However, that said, 360 days off isn't that bad. I wonder how he's going to make his money the other uh, the other 360 days of the year. Now he does tell uh, Danny Reed and Ted Hanover that he does need acts uh, for his for his in. So if he knows any, to send them their way. Um, this kind of inter- now this brings in Linda Mason. As Danny Reed is out getting flowers for Lila, uh, he runs into an aspiring actress or an aspiring nightclub act uh, dancer, singer, whatever you want to call her, uh, Linda Mason, who works at a flower shop. And after manipulating her way into his good graces, he refers her to Jim's Holiday Inn. On Christmas Day, Linda does arrive at Holiday Inn and meets Jim. And after a little bit of shenanigans where, she, where Jim falls off a roof into the snow, uh, they go inside and uh, Jim sends White Christmas to her. Now, white, a little bit of background on White Christmas. As I said earlier, it was expected that Big Be Careful as My Heart was supposed to be the big hit of the film. And actually, when Crosby first heard Irving Berlin play him White Christmas, Crosby was just kind of nonplussed about it. He just he said, quote, I don't think we'll have any problems with that one, Irving. Uh, also, a little funny side note, uh, Irving Berlin, who wrote many of the, wrote all the songs on this and is very tied to Christmas songs, was a Jewish man, which I always found kind of amusing. You know, I've written special music for each holiday. This sort of gives me a chance to keep a little promise I made to myself. I said I was going to sing this song at the end tonight. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow. The holiday's first big performance is on uh, New Year's Eve, and it opens to a huge house. And as Jim and Lila start singing and performing, you see that they start falling in love with each other. With each other. Now, what Jim doesn't know is that Ted has been dumped by Lila for a Texas millionaire, and he arrives at Holiday Inn completely drunk. Now, this leads to a very fun sequence where Drunk Ted brings down the house dancing with a sober Linda who doesn't realize that he's drunk. But shortly afterwards, he basically passes out. Now, the next morning on New Year's Day, Ted, however, does not remember anything. He remembers dancing with someone, but he does not remember what she looks like. Uh, much to Jim's relief, but Danny Reed's discontent, let's say. So they vow to stick around and see who his new dance partner could be because they need one to fill the hole that Lila left. Now, of course, Jim is afraid that uh, 
that Ted's going to steal his girlfriend yet again, so he needs to hide Linda. Now, this is where we go on to probably the film's most controversial moment. Uh, Lincoln's birthday, they sing the song Abraham in an attempt to, and in an attempt to kind of fool Ted and Danny, uh, they decide to do the, the number in blackface. Now, this is problematic, um, and I'm not going to pretend it isn't. The Abraham number in blackface, not only is it bad enough that they're in blackface, they're also very uh, stereotypical in the way they're speaking and singing and in the way they're acting. And uh, Marjorie Reynolds' outfit and hair is particularly um, uneasy on the eyes. Now, in 1942, it may not have been a big, as big of a deal as it is in 2019, but it does stick out like a red flag here and um typically most most times this movie airs that scene is admitted it's it's edited out except for on tcm turner classic movies they do keep the scene in um which i believe they should because it is a historically accurate portrayal of the film and i don't think it should be taken out um but it is kind of a trigger warning for anybody out there if they don't want to see this to skip ahead another kind of scene that might hurt it is that the fact that whenever she, whenever Linda um, first realizes she's going to be in makeup, she says, for a month and a half, I've been dreaming about how pretty I was going to look tonight. Well, here is my punishment for thinking so well of myself. So if we read between the lines here, Linda is basically saying that blackface is not pretty. In other words, blackface is disgusting or gross. And, you know, if we keep taking that further, uh, that black people in themselves are not attractive. And that, again, is going to be something that is not going to sit well with today's audiences. Also, on top of that, in the number itself, we see Mamie, who is a played by Louise Beavers, who is the Holiday Inn housekeeper. Already, Mamie is kind of already kind of a racial... A racist kind of name um she's she's singing to her children and there's a line where it says who was it that set the darkies free that's a big yikes um again if this is a point in the film where you where you feel uncomfortable and you want to skip forward on a dvd or or on the streaming or however you're watching it that's totally understandable because this is um while it is of its time it is just sticks out like it's really sore thumb here and it's really uncomfortable to watch and of course, when you contrast this to the Song of Freedom number later on in the film where all God's people deserve to be free, and you go back and look at that where you're doing blackface, it's a little it's a little much. Now, Fred Astaire, who's in this film, is no stranger to blackface, even though he wasn't blackface in this film, um, as he did uh, the Bojangles of Harlem sequence in 1942, um, which is a fantastic sequence from a dancing perspective, but again, he's in blackface and it's kind of jarring to see that today now stare in that film and bing crosby in this film i don't think that their intent was to mock uh black people um but bad intent um doesn't really get rid of the consequences of that intent at the end of the day abraham itself is not a really good song and the blackface sequence is jarring and uncomfortable and let's face it blatantly racist um but i'm going to take the stand that turner classic movies takes in that the film should be whenever it's presented aired or exhibited should be aired or exhibited in its original intended form that said um if one 
again, feels uncomfortable watching that. They are perfectly within their right to skip forward or not watch that scene at all, or even not watch the film at all. But I don't think that pretending the song didn't happen or the blackface sequence didn't happen, um, I don't think that we move forward or we move the discussion forward on racism by pretending it didn't happen. It should also be noticed that Bing was not what you would call today a racist in the sense that you know he was uh he ostracized or put the, or um or oppressed people of color he did actually help many jazz black jazz artists uh throughout his entire career um he was probably just short-sighted and not very uh woke as they say uh, on this particular issue but let's go back to the film the plan does work and uh, Ted and Danny do not cannot find Linda because of the blackface makeup but they vowed to return on Valentine's Day now, during Valentine's Day, uh, Jim has completely fallen in love with Linda, and one of his presents to her for Valentine's Day is a new song called Be Careful, It's My Heart. Again, the song that they expected to be the big hit of the film. As he's playing her the song, Ted arrives, and then he sees Linda and finally recognizes her, and he kind of goes into an impromptu dance with her. And this is the big Valentine's number of the film. As uh, Jim sings the song, Be Careful, It's My Heart, you see Fred and Linda do a spectacular dance that ends through ends with them bursting through a big papier-mâché heart. Be careful, it's my heart. No, you're kidding, either. I wrote this just for you, honey. Not my watch you're holding, it's my heart. It's not the note I sent you that you quickly burn. It's not the book I lent you that you never return. Remember. Jim, of course, is now heartbroken because he knows that Ted is going to steal his girl once again. And Ted has basically insinuated himself into the situation, saying that he's going to be there for the Washington's birthday number, uh, where he plans to do an 18th century kind of period costume uh, number with Linda. Basically in an attempt to do a romantic style dance where he gets to kiss her. Now every time he gets now on Washington's birthday, every time Ted gets close to doing so, Jim basically sabotages the whole thing, changes the tempo, um... To, to a jazz every time they're about to kiss and basically forces them to do and go into another dance. Now, after that, um, Linda refuses to go out with Ted uh, and become his partner because she says she's she is committed to Holiday Inn. And uh, earlier, she had said yes to being married to Jim. Now, Jim kind of meant it in a more nebulous way, but Linda still took it seriously. Now, when Ted asks him, about the marriage. Jim is a little bit surprised because he does remember proposing to her, but didn't realize that she was taking it as seriously as, uh, as he had meant it. Our next section is Easter. We get a reuse of the film Easter Parade, which was written by Irving Berlin for a Broadway show called A Thousand's Cheer, and he reuses it in full here. In your Easter bonnet, with all the frills upon it, you'll be the grandest lady in the Easter parade I'll be all in clover and when they look you over I'll be the proudest fella in the Easter parade on the avenue Fifth Avenue 
photographers will snap us and you'll find that you're after that number we see that the Ted has arrived and is intending to stay at the inn as a part as part of the act um, because he wants to be around and experience the true happiness that Linda and Jim have found. Now, Linda, of course, is fooled, but Jim knows exactly what he's up to. Now comes the big Independence Day number, and his kind of suspicions are confirmed. He overhears Ted and Danny discussing uh, an offer from Hollywood representatives who are going to be there that night to watch their show and hopefully sign Ted and Linda to a contract. Now, trying to avoid all of this, Jim bribes his kind of... Uh, coachman, his limo driver, his whatever, um, to pick up Linda at the train station, but never actually get her back to the Holiday Inn. Uh, Gus does as he's told, and basically drives Linda into a swamp, or a creek, or a pond, I don't know what it is, ensuring that she doesn't get to the inn. Now, while that's happening, uh, Jim has sung, has gone out and sung the uh, Song of Freedom number, which again, which as we talked about earlier, um, during filming the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor, so Song of Freedom was kind of retooled to be very, very patriotic. We even get, at the very end of the sequence, a uh, some images of Franklin D. Roosevelt edited into the montage. Now, it's just I just find that amusing because I can't even imagine that happening today with someone like Donald Trump being being in the uh, edited footage uh, without being incredibly divisive. Linda still has not arrived, so Ted takes it upon himself to stall the show and goes out to do his uh, fireworks dance. Now, the fireworks dance was originally supposed to be the only number in this section, but then again, we they added the Song of Freedom because of the Pearl Harbor attacks. The fireworks dance is great. Um, it's basically... Uh, Fred Astaire doing a solo tap dance as fireworks explode all around him, like little firecrackers and those little snap, the little snap uh, fireworks that you throw on the ground and they blow up. It's an incredible sequence and needs to be sought out. You got to see it. Now, afterwards, Linda finally does arrive at the inn and she understands what what Jim had fi- had done to sabotage her to get to the the end, and she's pretty mad at him. Now, the Hollywood representatives are less impressed with Ted and more impressed with the idea of the Holiday of the Holiday Inn, and they decided they want to buy the idea of Holiday Inn from Jim to make a movie out of it. At first, Jim doesn't really want to do, sign over the idea, but he eventually reluctantly agrees just to make Linda happy, and Linda and Ted uh, leave the Holiday Inn forever uh, to go pursue their own career in Hollywood. Now, through a montage, we see that let uh, that Ted and Linda have fallen in love, and they are kind of a couple, and they've uh, gone on to great success. At Thanksgiving, the end is closed, um, no more performances, and Jim is depressed. He's by himself. He's writing songs for, uh, he's writing songs for the film. And as we hear him play a record of "I've Got Plenty to Be Thankful For," which is the song he wrote for the film Holiday Inn, the film within a film of Holiday Inn, he eats his uh, turkey dinner all by himself. I've got plenty to be thankful for I haven't got a great big yacht To sail from shore to shore Still I've got plenty to be thankful for I've got plenty to be thankful for No private car, no caviar No carpet on my floor Still I've got plenty to be thankful for I've got eyes to see with Ears to hear with Arms to hug with Lips 
to kiss with someone to adore How could anybody ask for more? Finally, his housekeeper maybe needles him into going to Hollywood and winning Linda back. Now, Jim arrives in California on Christmas Eve, and uh, there's, for whatever reason, they are still f- they are still filming late into the night on Christmas Eve in Hollywood. And, of course, they are filming the White Christmas sequence. On the set of the movie, uh, which is a recreation of the, Holiday Inns, uh, of the Holiday Inn, which I'm assuming is just they just reused the same set they were using for the quote-unquote real Holiday Inn, as Linda sings White Christmas, Jim basically interrupts the filming, starts a duet with her, and they fall in love and start kissing, and the director yells, cut. Now Ted's plan has been foiled. Linda and Jim are together. Ted is reunited with Lila, and all four performers do a reprise at the Holiday Inn of I'll Capture Her Heart on New Year's Eve. And that's basically the film. The film was a huge hit, and it ranked number eight in the list of top-grossing movies for 1942 in the United States. Even though it was released in August, which is not really at Christmas time, it was a huge. It became a huge holiday hit, as you can imagine. Now, of course, the big legacy that this movie has is the song "White Christmas." Um, "White Christmas," by some accounts, has sold over 100 million copies, which at the time made it, and for a long time, made it the most successful song of all time and there are apparently 500 different recorded versions from different recording artists so this is also the most covered song of all time now the interesting note here is that the version that most people hear today on the radio uh the bing crosby version is not the original version that is a 1947 re-recording the 1942 master recording uh was damaged because it was so frequently used another big song that came out of this film was happy holiday which uh to all those people that scream about the war on Christmas, uh, Bing Crosby has been saying a happy holiday since 1942, and uh, nobody accused him of uh, waging a war on Christmas. And in fact, he's been, he's been kind of crowned the king of Christmas songs, so maybe people need to relax. Now, this film was so successful that uh, Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire did team up again in another Irving Berlin musical in 1946 called Blue Skies. Now, the success of the song White Christmas eventually led to another film based on the song and another film that takes place at Christmas time and added in. Uh, We covered this song, sorry, we covered this movie last year, uh, White Christmas, uh, which was released in 1954, directed by Michael Cortese and starred Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen. And Astaire was originally supposed to reprise his role as Crosby's partner, uh, but he eventually did turn it down, and Danny Kaye took up the role. We discussed all of this on the on last Christmas's uh, Christmas podcast on White Christmas, so check that out. In 2004, the AFI listed White Christmas as the number five song in its 100 Years 100 Songs countdown. Now, for comparison, let's see what the top ten of that list were. Number ten was The Sound of Music from The Sound of Music. Number nine was Staying Alive from Saturday Night Fever. Number eight was The Way We Were from The Way We Were. Seven was When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. Six was Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate. Five was White Christmas. Four was Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Three was Singing in the Rain, Singing in the Rain. Two was As Time Goes By from Casablanca. And one was Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. Holiday Inn was nominated for three Academy Awards at the 15th Academy Awards on March 4th, 1943. It was nominated for Best Scoring of a Musical Picture, Best Original Motion Picture Story, and of course Best Original Song. It did lose out to Original Picture Story to 49th Parallel, and it lost Best Scoring of a Musical Picture to Yankee Doodle Dandy. However, it did win Best Original Song for, of course, White Christmas. And as far as the legacy of this film goes, it's at the very ubiquitous hotel chain Holiday Inn, 
was named and inspired after this film. Now, the film is available on streaming on Amazon Prime for free, if you have Amazon Prime. It's also digitally streaming on platforms to rent or buy on all the usual places, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, etc. And, of course, there is a Blu-ray. The most recent Blu-ray also includes a, a performance of the Broadway show. So, if you want to buy the film, that might be your best option there. Again, this episode is going to be shorter than the ones we've done before because I'm here, I'm here by myself. I don't usually have... I don't have Mark to bounce off of as I usually do. I'm sorry that this is more of a kind of miniature episode, but I figured you'd want a episode as opposed to no episode on Christmas. Now, our next movie will be Rocky, and hopefully Mark will be over his sickness by then, and we can do Rocky, because that's going to be a fun film. You can uh, catch up with us on EssentialFilmsPodcast.com. Uh, also, email us at EssentialFilmsPodcast at gmail.com. Please like The Essential Films on Facebook and follow at Essential Films on Twitter. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, check me out on Force Perspective with Mark, uh, where we've most recently talked spoilers on uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, and uh, we both enjoyed it. So uh, check that episode out when it comes out, and you can follow Force Perspective Twitter at FP Movie Podcast. So that'll do it for our episode this week. Uh, this is our last episode of 2019, so please have a happy new year. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Have a joyous Kwanzaa. Merry Festivus. And um, if you don't celebrate anything, have a good Wednesday. Thanks, and we'll see you again in 2020.